Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. All right, good morning, everyone. We are coming to you live from Hudson Yards here in New York City. As Good Morning New York gets underway on this Tuesday morning. At this hour, what is the MLS? Whether you're looking to buy, sell, a home, you no doubt encounter the multiple listing service or what we call MLS. So just what is it? The mission of the MLS is simple, to protect consumers, agents, and brokers by ensuring that everyone who is involved in a real estate transaction has the most accurate real information about the listing. This is, in many ways, the lifeblood of the uh, New York uh, real estate, of the real estate industry, but not here in New York City. With years of industry infighting, residential firms in New York City were never able to unite to create a, consum- a consumer database, and now that's coming back to bite them. With StreetEasy and others, are we in trouble? We will talk to an expert today about that. Help us all understand what it is or what it can do for us. Also at this hour, the New York City real estate market has faced the biggest drop since 2015, and brokers are feeling the pressure The 2019 market decrease in New York City is forcing all brokers to ramp up their creativity. How do you do that? Everyone is asking. The panel will weigh in on that. But first, I'd like to welcome my listeners in the United States and around the world. I'm Vince Rocco, and this is Good Morning New York Real Estate. In the news this morning, the rental market in Manhattan and Brooklyn continues to strengthen this month. This is partly a result of the ongoing uncertainty in the sales market with potential buyers still camping out with rentals. New Yorkers are waiting to see what happens to real estate prices after new taxes kicked in in, on July 1st. The new levies boosted the previous 1% fee on all sales of $1 million and above to 1.25% for sales prices above $2 million and 3.9%, for example, for sales of $25 million and more. In most real estate markets, an increase in taxes on homes priced above $2 million would not concern most buyers. But in Manhattan, the median price of new development, for example, typically new condos, was $2.5 million in 2019 second quarter. Median sale price, $2.5 million in the second quarter of this year. Moving on, Kelly Kaloran Ben-Simone has had many careers. She's a model, editor, author, Real Housewife of New York, but it's her latest line of work that she seems most passionate about, and that passion seems to be paying off. Last week, Page Six reported that the Real Housewife of New York City is joining Douglas Elliman Real Estate. Kelly will be joining the Holly Parker team. I missed that. At Douglas Elliman, I thought you did. Wow. At Douglas Elliman, which was the number one, uh, the number two team for sales nationwide last year. And according to Page Six, she's already uh, teeing up some exclusive listings. We have two giant Douglas Elliman <laughs> brokers right here, too. Who cares about the number Welcome two sales team? Welcome to the family, Kelly. Come <laughs> on. To the family. Holly's an amazing agent, so she's on a great team. <clears throat> she is. And anyway, so Kelly says she feels very lucky to have such a diverse client base. And now she says, I have the advantage of the breadth and experience of Douglas Elliman. They are the strategic partner already in all of my real estate endeavors. Well, good luck to Kelly Ben-Simone. Uh, Grey's Anatomy <laughs> is the longest-running medical drama of all time, with its 15 seasons in the books, Isn't and at amazing? least two more on the way. I watched that series from day one, but I stopped like after four or five years because I just couldn't do it anymore. I think I made it for seven seasons or so. I was very loyal, but it's amazing. When it's I so was on. reading this the other day, I said 15 seasons. God what bless. the hell? That's lots of lifetime. McDreamy's not on there any longer. McSteamy, I don't know why. That's why. Is, is there any original cast member still on there? Meredith Grey was she, uh, or did she leave well, too? Uh, Ellen Pompeo. Yeah. yeah. 
But the, the McDreamies and the McSteamies are why I stopped watching. So of there course. you go. I'm with you, Vince. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the show has staying power. But what about the Hamptons uh, home of star Ellen Pompeo? Not so much. She is trying once again to sell her stunning farmhouse style home at 1645 Millstone Road in Sag Harbor for three and a half million dollars. In 2018, last year, she listed it for $3.79 million with another brokerage. Pompeo built the home in 2013 after buying the 8.38-acre property for $925,000 in 2011 as a teardown. I remember that property, and it was an absolute teardown. The listing brokers are Corcoran C. Scott Brown and Jack Pearson. There is little confusion about the posh, modern Beverly Hills, California home once owned by Nick Jonas. It was a love ne- Was it a love nest or a bachelor pad? Whatever the case, the hillside home is no longer a concern <laughs> for the youngest of the Jonas Brothers. The hunky singer recently sold the 4,129-square-foot uh, uh, home for $6.9 million. Jonas bought the place for $6.5 million in April of 18, about a month before he and his wife started stepping out as a couple. So it's hard to say if he purchased the home anticipating their relationship blossoming or a hotspot to entertain a succession of sweethearts. Uh, as a bachelor. Now married, Jonas and his wife are reportedly searching for the perfect home together. And according to TMZ, they want to stay in Beverly Hills or consider another option, which would be in Bel Air. What would your choice be? I like uh, the idea of um, Bel Air. It's a little closer to the beach, you know. It has I a nice ring it. to it, too, Bel Air Palace. Yeah, Bel Air is yeah. wonderful, and it's Fresh gated. Prince and it's of Bel Air. <laughs> <laughs> you better recognize, right? <laughs> Listen, of course. You know, after no, but Jeff seriously, but, but Bel Air is kind of cool. I like it. That would be my choice. Me, too. Anyway, our special guest today is Richard Haggerty. He is CEO of Hudson Gateway Association of Realtors, and he's president also of the New York MLS. In New York City, the real estate mecca of the world, few real estate experts Possess the leadership, market insight, and tech savvy of Richard, a 30-year industry veteran. He understands the people, places, and pulse of the residential market like no other. As CEO of one of the largest realtor associations in the nation, he knows the rules and tools professionals need to succeed. He recognizes the value of staying on top of technology and industry trends and (coughs) his uh, unique talent of distilling data into easily digestible bites make him a sought-after speaker panelist and industry spokesman. Uh, He is frequently tapped as an expert source in leading real estate media and by trade groups for his insight into market trends. He navigates the ever-changing residential landscape and uh, delivers the essentials professionals need to stay focused, strategic on top of their game. Richard holds a Bachelor of Arts degree from the University of New Hampshire. Welcome and good morning to you. Thanks, Vince. It's great to be here. Boy, that's quite a resume. So I'm not even going to ask you how long you've been at all of this to get to Way where you long. are. Way too long. Way too long. As as I have, my friend. So um, let, let's start by, you know, tell us a little bit about the company and what you do with the company that you work for and then what you do at the New York MLS. And we're going to get into why that's also important as we go along a little bit this morning. Sure. Well, the Hudson Gateway Association of Realtors is actually a trade association. We've been around 102 years. Uh, So we've actually been in the business of advocating for realtors for more than a century. Uh, We're part of the New York State Association of Realtors and the National Association of Realtors. And our mission is to advocate for our realtor members and for our consumers, uh, public private property rights. Uh, So we view our mission as being very unique. Very unique in what way? Because we're not a traditional business. We're not trying to make money. We're trying to really, truly advocate. The membership dues that we collect from our members go back into the operation of the organization. Uh, 
in that sense, we are unique. Now, we do have an MLS. Uh, currently, it's the, what we call the Hudson Gateway Multiple Listing Service, which I'm the CEO of. And we've got about 13,000 subscribers to that MLS. How do, you, how, do you, um, how do you compare yourself to the Real Estate Board of New York here that kind of governs you know, all of our actions um, based on the mandate from the, the Department of State in, in, in Albany? But we, we kind of deal with the Real Estate Board of New York. Are you similar to that? We are very similar, except mm-hmm. I think we've got a broader uh, range of topics we try to advocate for. I think Rebney does an incredible job of advocating for the developers, for commercial interests, and they've got an equal track record. They've been around for a very long time. They have been, but we have concerns sometimes, and I'm sure that'll come out here <laughs> with some of our panel members. You know, we, we, we what lo- is Rebney really doing for well, us? What are, yeah, we love Rebney, but I mean, sometimes we wonder what are they really doing for us, and, and that, that's another whole topic, and, and hopefully we'll get to that um, at the start of next season. But let's let's get into you know the the MLS, what it really is, and how that can um, change things potentially here in New York City. We have, just to kind of set it up for the listeners out there, we have had, you know, back and forth uh, conversations, we meaning the, the the leaders and the heads of all these companies, the uh, real estate firms here in New York City, uh, with members or advocates of the MLS, but for some reason, you know, they've shied away from wanting to have a one consolidated database, and, and, and Phil here will chime in on, on other areas of that later. What is the MLS and how do you feel it can help New York City agents like it does everybody else? Well, first off, I think it's interesting that the multiple listing service exists in every other part of the country, every other urban area, whether it be Chicago, Miami, L.A., Westchester County, Westchester, you name it. Uh, So and it's really something that real estate professionals take for granted because it's been around for so long. I do think that we may be turning the corner in Manhattan where I think there's more receptiveness to the concept of an MLS for the first time. Uh, Part of that, I think, is really uh, because we've expanded our boundaries. But I think Street Easy definitely has played a role in making folks a little bit more willing to talk. But in terms of what an MLS is, it's very simple. It's the orderly exchange of real estate information. It's that simple. It organizes the information in a way where it's accurate, where it's standardized, where it's easily accessible. And every other real estate professional in the country is used to having that. Agents in Manhattan really have a challenge because they're not used to having that. They've got to work so much harder to get that information. All right. So playing devil's advocate, okay? Um, and, and it's not that I disagree because I do agree with you. But but playing devil's advocate, you know, one would say that we do sort of have an MLS here anyway, you know, call, you know, a broker system. We all use a variety of probably one back-end database, RealPlus, RLS. RLS, whatever whatever it may be. So we all consolidate, you know, our listings into one database. Now, I will tell you that from my perspective and probably everyone else here in the room, the accuracy of the data is probably not good. Uh, The timing sometimes of the data is also not good. You know, in the past, before we had rules like you had a co-broke within 48 hours of taking a listing or placing a listing up there, agencies, and that's probably why the the hesitancy of the MLS, agencies just kind of did what they wanted to do and put listings out to the community when they felt like it. Now they can't. So let's talk about... um, uh, before we go to break, the accuracy of the data and why it's better in an MLS situation. Because here's my thought. My thought always is 
the input of data is a human thing. And so if I screw something up when I put it in, I don't care what system I'm putting it into, it's still going to be screwed up, right? If I don't pay attention to the accuracy of what I'm reporting in my listing, it ain't going to be right. So help us understand how the MLS system makes that better. First off, you're exactly right. If you put garbage in, you're going to get garbage out. It's that simple. I see garbage every day. And I think the Mm -hmm. challenge that RLS has, and we've talked to a lot of brokers about some of their issues, is you have a lot of different systems that plug into RLS. And those different systems do not always have the same definitions to their fields. Sometimes they don't even have the same fields. So you've got a mixture of information that's coming into that RLS database. We know that because we have several Manhattan firms who participate in RMLS, and we're currently taking their data from their RLS feeds. And the quality of that data is marginal at best, and I'm being very generous. Such a shame. <laughs> it, it is such a way. And to be honest, it's not as though any one entity can fix this. This has got to be a collaborative effort. Brokers have to, quite frankly, become more uh, willing to take the effort to make sure they're putting in the correct information. Mm -hmm. Because the information doesn't just stop with you. (coughs) It goes to so many other different sources, including back-end systems that your offices have to create statistical reports. And if you're getting garbage in, garbage out, the quality of those statistical reports is going to be compromised right off the bat. Mm -hmm. So we have to kind of collectively recognize that we all have to be part of the solution. I have, a, I have a question. With, with the Hudson Gateway MLS, is the broker entering the information themselves, the agent, directly into the MLS, and they're also able to edit the information? Is that is that what it is, or how, how does the information get into the Hudson Gateway MLS? Sure. And the answer is yes. The broker is entering the information directly into the MLS. Oftentimes, they've got back office systems where they'll take that information, not just from their own firm, but from collectively all the firms that participate so that they can run CMAs and the type of tools that brokers need in order to really be effectively uh, able to help their consumers. So it is, for the most part, directly entered into the MLS. In Manhattan, we've created a system to try to facilitate the migration of brokers to our MLS to actually take the feeds that are coming into RLS and have that information that come directly into the MLS, and we've mapped all that information out. Yeah, I mean, I'm seeing the same thing you are. So I have, I'm, I'm the founder of a consumer-facing web- website, so we also accept the feed from the RLS. So I'm familiar with basically all the issues that you're describing. Um, I, I do wish that the RLS, because I've also been a broker for a long time, my wish is that a broker is able to input directly into the RLS, because right now you have Corcoran has a direct feed, Element direct feed, Halstead's through RealPlus, you have Compass is through OLR, and then it goes on and on and on and on. So they're just like every firm, as you mentioned, has like a different way of getting into the RLS. And then the RLS goes to all these different websites. I mean, so it's it's a little messy. You know, I, I, I wish they could clean that up. All right, let, let, we're going to pick that up on the other side of the break. That's a very good point. That's what I wanted to ask you about later. Uh, coming up, we're going to talk about the market. Um, as we look at it for the balance of 2019, this is Good Morning New York on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We will be right back after these messages, so don't go away. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. At Halstead, we know that what moves you is important. We're all about the power of transformation. We're revolutionizing the way people live and work. 
We are agents of change. We are the deal makers. We are the fearless negotiators. We are the future builders. So you can move to what moves you. I'm Jeff Goodman at Halstead, and I love Vince's show. I host a program of my own, but not about real estate. Rediscovering New York is about our city's great neighborhoods, their history, texture, and their current vibe through interviews with historians, business owners, and interesting neighborhood personalities. We're broadcast live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc and available on iTunes, Spotify, and other podcasts. Rediscovering New York with Jeff Goodman. I bring the city's great neighborhoods to life. It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their products. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back with Richard Haggerty, and also joining us this morning is Tracy Hammersley from Douglas Elliman, Jordan Shea from Douglas Elliman, Sean Atterbury from CORE, making his triumphant return, and Phil Horrigan, Mr. Freely and LeaseBreak.com. So, Phil, you were bringing up some very good points before the break with Richard. Why don't we continue that conversation, because I think it makes sense. I also wanted to add to what you were saying is the complexity of... Uh, all of these disparate databases that somehow get pointed in one direction, there's got to be room for a lot of error there. Yeah. Um, so to me, I do think Revney is trying to fix some of these issues. I mean, I, I've seen it firsthand. So things are getting better. But what, like we mentioned before the break, one of the major issues is that the data gets there from all different ways. I was mentioning how Element goes directly, Compass goes through OLR, Halstead goes through RealPlus. Uh, Brown Harris Stevens goes through Real Plus, um, so it it just it obviously is going to be difficult to have all the data the same if they're coming from all different directions, and I do see that unfortunately, um, but um, but it's moving in the right direction, and I'm just curious what you see about because right now the thing is is that like I, I go back and forth, is the right solution a Hudson Gateway someone coming in and being like, look, here's a true MLS, mm-hmm. let's 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 all do it because I'm a big believer in like getting this right, or do we say we have Thousands and thousands of agents that have been with Rebney for how many years, and they're so close to getting it right, and they are making improvements. Is that the way to go? You know, maybe it's both, and just see who the best, you know, with the best services. But um, it's very frustrating. I I think that, quite frankly, this is bigger than Rebney. It's even bigger than uh, Hudson Gateway. Uh, One of the things, and Vince, you mentioned it when you introduced me, 
currently, I'm the CEO of the Hudson Gateway Association of Realtors and the Hudson Gateway MLS. The Hudson Gateway MLS is going to go away uh, very soon. We started merger discussions. Actually, we started discussions to create a regional MLS with Long Island about a year and a half ago. Those are coming to fruition. Uh, we should be able to launch hopefully sometime in November. We're going to have a new name. Uh, it is going to require that anybody who wants to access the MLS has to hold realtor membership somewhere. We hope they hold realtor membership in Hudson Gateway, but it's going to have to be somewhere. Uh, but this is going to be a powerful regional MLS. And the whole goal of this MLS is to really try to empower and take advantage uh, the geography of New York City and the greatest suburban area. This is the most powerful geography in the world. And we should be able to let our members take advantage of the power of that geography. So from my perspective, it can't just be about Manhattan. And it can't just be about Manhattan or Brooklyn. Consumers want to have access to a broader geography of data. And well, that's, that's what we're trying to achieve. Well, that's it. And so, and so in this town, and I know much to your chagrin, Phil, but, but Street Easy kind of accomplishes that consumer uh, end of things. I mean, the consumers jump on Street Easy or, you know, in the burbs, Trulia and, and, and whatever, Realtor.com, and they get that information. I happen to believe that a, a true MLS is, uh, is important. Quick let, question. I'm so sorry. So Queens right now has a sort of MLS. How do you see that factoring into the Hudson Gateway or the new question. regional MLS? Right now, the majority of brokers in Queens participate in Long Island MLS. So okay. those listings, and actually we've already launched the consumer-facing oh, website. Oh, the Long Island MLS, right, yeah. Yeah, so the NewYorkMLS.com, which is live, New York spelled out MLS.com, right. has got all of the active listings from both the Hudson Gateway MLS and Long Island MLS. So it has over 30,000 30, active listings. Uh, we currently have about 1,600 active listings in Manhattan. Uh, and the boroughs, and that's both for sale and for rental. One of the things I didn't really realize until I was doing my research last week on you and the, and the MLS system, you know, my simple mind said we haven't. There's an MLS out there, and no matter where you are in the country, I have friends who sell real estate in Los Angeles who use an MLS, and friends who in Westchester, et cetera, et cetera, in Florida. Um, I thought the MLS system was one of these big giant things in the cloud that everybody sort of put their information into. One, but in doing research, it says there's a New York State MLS and a My State MLS. So apparently, as you just said a minute ago, they're regional, regionally based, and do, do they all feed one another regardless of where you are, or does it get into one big MLS database? There are nationwide, aren't there? Six hundred and fifty MLSs. Uh, that, that's correct, and that yeah. number is going down. Okay. Slowly but surely, that number is going down. All right. Say, I wasn't aware of that. I didn't. I thought you know everybody had it, but it all kind of went into one. And the the one uh, one database, but just to be clear, Vince, New York State MLS is a different entity completely. What is that? Yeah. Uh, from my perspective, and it's only my perspective. That's that, statewide, that correct? It, it's statewide from the perspective that that's how they advertise their coverage. Right. However, that's really a syndication tool. Uh, you will all know because you're all Manhattan brokers that Rebney and RLS got into the business of syndication about a year and a half ago. Uh, syndication's been around for about 15 years. Uh, we've been syndicating to all the third-party destination sites, and there are literally a hundred. There are about 10 that are well-known, but there are hundreds that are actually out there. Uh, and Rebney started syndicating about a year and a half ago. To fill that void, New York, ML New York State MLS came in to actually provide that tool to Manhattan brokers. So that's really what they do. How do you get, sorry, Vince, how do you get brokers in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens to pay another membership fee when they're paying, say, four or $500 a year 
for revenue Very already. And to me, that is a big challenge because I'm, I'm sure you know that if you're at, if you're a Corcoran agent, I'm not sure about Element, but I know Corcoran, if you don't pay that fee, you're not on the website. Uh, so they kind of hold firm. your hand to that fee. And all of the brokers, their managers are members of like the board of mm. Rebney. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've got a stranglehold. Do you, do you agree? Am I-, uh, I, I totally agree. Yeah. It, and I think it's a challenge, but I think it's a challenge we can overcome because I think what we are offering is very different than what Rebney and RLS is offering. Are the fees comparable? Yes. I'm not going to discuss specifics, uh, but you can go to our website, hdr.com, to see what the fees are. Uh, we're very transparent about them. But at the end of the day, if the value is there and if the real estate professional recognizes that we are delivering a different type of value, and the reason why it's a different type of value is even though the operation of the MLS is a for-profit operation, unlike the association, all of the profits go back into the operation of the MLS. The MLS is not trying to make anybody rich. It's not trying to become a target for a buyout. Literally, all of the operation is driven to benefit the membership. And in that sense, we're pretty unique. All right. So I think Sean might have been alluding to this earlier today. So you have all these disparate databases and, and you know, ad, ad, accuracy of data is crazy, whatever. The complication is, in my head, that all of these firms that we all work for and, and, and know and love dearly, they have spent millions of dollars through the years developing their own systems. So I think that and my question to you, Richard, is, you know, how do you, what is the sell here? How do you get these company heads to say, we've spent millions, we've developed systems. In fact, Halstead, where I work, came out with a new system, I don't know, two years ago. They're all basically the same, but, you know, rebranded, re-this, re re-that, reconfigured, a lot more robust. Now we want to ask them to invest in an MLS system and, and, and kind of make their current systems go away. Where is the sell here and how hard is that sell? The sell is always going to have challenges. And you've identified those challenges pretty effectively. And I, having met with so many of the uh, broker owners of the major firms in Manhattan, I've certainly heard that argument. However, my counter argument would be, if you really want to empower the geography of New York, and I'll use Halstead as, as an example, they participate in MLSs in Connecticut. Yes. They participate in my MLS in Riverdale. And New Jersey also. They participate in Long Island MLS in Forest mm-hmm. Hills in the Hamptons. Mm-hmm. Why does it all work out there and not in Manhattan? And quite frankly, they would be able to take advantage of that much larger database to use the back-end technology that they have and make it work more more seamlessly. So I think there is truly a value there. I don't think we continue to think of Manhattan in a vacuum. Manhattan is part of a bigger geography. Phil, is this a political thing with, with Rebney and the RLS? I politically mean actually politics, literally politics. in government. I think the politics are more internal politics with between the firms. Uh, I mean, I, no, no, I, no, that's what I'm sorry. That's what I meant. Oh, yeah, the, the internal yeah. politics uh, among yeah, the firms. no, no question. I mean, I'll I'll give you an example of something that is really frustrating for someone that owns a website. So, as you know, StreetEasy dominated the landscape, and now, as you alluded to, only recently has the RLS been able to sort of allow these consumer-facing websites to plug into the RLS, so that so that their uh, broker's listings can be shown. So, for example, lease break about a year and a half ago plugged into most of the broker firms, right? So we're showing now all, all your listings. However, it's opt-in only. So what this means is that it's almost impossible for any consumer website 
to compete with Street Easy and have all the listings. Because I, as the owner of the website, have to individually go to about thousands, thousands of brokers and say, please opt in, please opt in, please opt in, please opt in. So I've talked to other consumer website owners like myself, and they basically said, yeah, it's, impo- it's impossible. You, you could get the most you can really get realistically is like 80% of the listings. Well, Street Easy has 100%. What I would wish uh, that they uh, would... Uh, uh, uh. I don't think well, they not anymore. 100%. But, I'm, but I'm talking about Street Easy has 100%. Well, they have close to 100 of, of the sales. Rentals, we all know they have 50% of the rentals. We've well, talked about that. that. That's they, they don't have rentals anymore. Okay. I mean, they, they don't. They can't go just to Street Easy for rentals. But for sales, they're close, Tracy. You're right. They're not, not 100%. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but, but they're close. But what I really would wish that we would do is just have – is basically just a, allow this to – I just wish that they did things differently. It should be opt out, not opt in. So all the firms, in other words, if Revney approves lease break, which they have, Revney approved us, we should then be on every single website. But of course, if some individual broker firm wants to opt out, fine, no problem. But why put the burden on all these individual consumer websites that have been already approved by Revney? I went through a very difficult process to be approved by that. So, so have the other websites. So why is that? It's like a it's a control thing, unfortunately. It's like so these broker firm heads have this control, and it's it's, it's so frustrating to me. It's just so frustrating. And Tracy, you came to the data I summit did. that yeah, we did, so and we talked about the fact that unlike every other part of the country, data in New York City is weaponized, it's mm-hmm. monetized, mm-hmm. and it's not to the benefit of the agent or the consumer. Absolutely not. So the system is truly broken and we've got to collectively be a part of the fix. You know, the Zillow folks I think are great. Uh, I actually really admire a lot of what they are trying to achieve, but they've got to monetize their product. And what are they going to do? They're going to monetize it on the back of the real estate professional. You can't blame mm. them for that. And anybody who didn't see Street Easy coming down the pike we with a way, you gave them the we tools, the and you should have anticipated that mm-hmm. they were going to do exactly what they did, yeah. and you shouldn't fault them for that. All right, we've got 10 seconds left in the segment. Tell us we quickly do, where, <laughs> where, we do where, where are we going to be, say, a year from now, three years from now, with an MLS here in New York, in your opinion? The regional MLS is going to continue to get traction. It's going to continue to get more listings, and it's going to continue to get more consumer eyeballs. NewYorkMLS.com. Okay, uh, Richard Haggerty, thank you so much for being with us uh, today. You will come back and give us an update as as we need it. I would love to. Thank, thank you so much. Us. It's really we'll be back it. right after these messages. Don't go away. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. At Halstead, we know that what moves you is important. We're all about the power of transformation. We're revolutionizing the way people live and work. We are agents of change. We are the deal makers. We are the fearless negotiators. We are the future builders. So you can move to what moves you. I'm Jeff Goodman at Halstead, and I love Vince's show. I host a program of my own, but not about real estate. Rediscovering New York is about our city's great neighborhoods, their history, texture, and their current vibe through interviews with historians, business owners, and interesting neighborhood personalities. We're broadcast live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc and available on iTunes, Spotify, and other podcasts. Rediscovering New York with Jeff Goodman. I bring the city's great neighborhoods to life.
Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Okay, everybody, we are back. And uh, thank, uh, thanks to Richard Haggerty uh, with the MLS conversation. And we're going to follow that story as uh, we have been following it, at least in all the years that I've been in the business. Let's see where we go with that. Again, joining us for the balance of the show, Tracy Hammersley from Douglas Elliman, Jordan Shea from Douglas Elliman, Sean Atterbury from CORE, and Phil Horrigan from Freely and LeaseBreak.com. Okay, guys. Well, so before we get into our regular panel questions, I have a question for the collective group here. Yes, sir. Um, so what's happening out there? I mean, and, and everybody, I, I know it's a loaded question these days, but everybody I ask, it's like, uh, you know, ask me in September. Where's Wheezy when you need her? Oh, where's Wheezy when you need her? I mean, seriously, what's happening? It's hot out there. It is hot out there. Damn hot Temperature wise. And, you know, you've always said this, and I've used this line, uh, if something is priced well, it will fly. Mm-hmm. Yes. And people who test the market, some, there are developers out there and sellers out there who can't stop the bleeding, they started hemorrhaging without realizing it. And they said, hey, they'll come to a broker and say, what can you do about this? Uh, what can you do about this? Well, it's actually a serious infection and you need to just cut it off. And, you know, <laughs> not even take antibiotics. Just okay, cut drop it the off. price. Yeah, exactly. Slice the price. <laughs> right. I, I have been busy since May, kind of nonstop. Last week, I got the first little low and somehow this week I'm busy again. I'm not complaining. It is not always busy to good purpose. So I'm, I'm not bragging, but it's... Uh, Things are still moving. We actually we have bidding wars on something that was priced right. I'm working with the buyer, not the the listing agent, unfortunately, in this scenario. But we did get an accepted offer. Um, still very, very, very busy. Um, hey, Tracy, when you say priced right, I'm just curious. And sure. just a question to all of you: What price is that? What year are we back to? Is it like 2018 oh, prices, question, 17 though. prices, 16 prices, 2015 prices? Have you guys thought of it in those terms? I, I've sure. thought of when when I said it, I think of it as price lower than what I would think the market would be. But I haven't actually put it to what year does that bring us back to? Let me think about that. I think, what do you guys think? I, my opinion is 1415. Wow. Yeah. But that, but see, no, what I, what, no, but no, see, I, I'm sorry, I disagree. 14 was peak. 14 was prime. 14 and 15 were the um, inflated, bloated, aspirational pricing. Well, you think we're below that. So you think we're back to. Well, I think, we, I think we, we, I would think we went below that 16, 17. Um, so I, right. I would say more like 16 prices. Okay. Oh, All right. So we, from, from the below to 14, respectfully 15, disagree with you. No, no, no. Yeah. I, I, listen from, so, so from the, the, so maybe it's 13 15, and 16, if you wanted to thank you. be on okay, both sides so 13 of the bloated before time. And then maybe 16 after. Yeah. So how much more room, I mean, <laughs> is there to go? Million dollar question. Developers ask me this, you know, on a weekly basis. So, how much more? How much more? Will it turn around? I'm yeah. really concerned if there is a recession, which obviously the price yield to talk now. Everyone thinks there's like a well, 30% we've been, chance. We've been hearing that for years now. No, we have, that's the on whole, the news cycle the last week. Heavy, has, but I don't but know the, about the whole that. inverted yield curve is kind of it's, freaked it's, out a lot. It's of people. a global recession. It's not. A, it's a global. It's recession. not an American recession. It is a global recession. It is 2021. Period. You heard it, it here, if, Jordan Che. If, if it lasts that long, it's just not possible. Oh, you don't think you're we're going to have it next year? You're I don't think. I don't think we'll have a global <laughs> next year. I think we're definitely. If we're lucky, we get out of 2020 without a global 2021. There's no chance we go global, 100 percent go global. 
So sell I, I now, really, buy now. <laughs> no, not necessarily. I think that you're going to see a lot of money sort of moving into um, instruments that are not as, um, I don't know as much volatility or elasticity. And real estate is certainly one of those. And I think that New York sort of actually has a handle and we've sort of, it's been a race to the bottom for us. Sure. And I think that um, our we, we've done most of the damage we're going to do. I think we'll I probably so. get a 5% downtick next year, Q4 is my prediction. But, you know. When you say okay. global versus, I guess you're being local or, or you're national, mm-hmm. in your mind, how does that manifest itself? Like, isn't a global just as bad as a national for New York City real estate? I would think it would be just as bad. It We're does so affect or it will, it will yeah. affect the New York City yeah. marketplace, of course. It will. I mean, I think you – but there's just so many different things in play now that not, weren't necessarily in play at the last global recession. And I think especially how we conduct trade policy is very significant. And okay. I think the valuation and currencies and things that people are putting their money into as safe havens has changed. Um, gold's at a six-year high. You're looking at uh, the yen being very popular as an instrument. You're looking at all these different factors, and people are moving money around very rapidly because they're not really sure what's happening. Mm. And I think that, again, real estate is volatile. It's just not as volatile. Listen, on a personal side, I lost almost almost a little shy of $7 million on opportunities last week and the week before oh, because thanks. of the slaughter in the in the Wall Street I'm market. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. And, you know, I, well, me too. But I mean, I say that because, you know, the clients don't know when they're coming back to market because they yeah. don't understand where mm-hmm. these markets are moving towards. Mm-hmm. Now we hear, like I said before, in this particular news cycle the past week about recession, recession, recession. Whether it happens or not, I happen to agree with what, what Jordan just said or explained but that doesn't mean that everybody else out there thinks that. You know, they listen to the news cycle. They listen to the talking heads. What does that do? It continues the uncertainty or fear in Which everybody's mind. movement in the market. Absolutely. Uncertainty leads to paralysis. Now, yeah. you know, the folks I'm working with, you know, can certainly afford every one of those, you know, price points. One was almost $4 million and, and whatever. But it's not about that. It's about, you know, I don't want to take a $400,000 hit in my stock portfolio mm-hmm. and feel comfortable about spending almost $4 million on an apartment. When does that, that $400,000 get made up? Well, you can't. And so, unfortunately, we are on the receiving end of that, and it gets a little sticky. So, I just really quickly, Vince, I do agree. Uh, to go back to something that you said, Jordan, um, in New York, at least, and yes, we absolutely do kind of follow a lot of what's going on globally. It is like my old manager used to say, what next? I mean, we've dealt with, you know, the the tax reform, mm-hmm. um, new rent regulations, everything else. There there are a lot of things that have changed and not necessarily for the better in New York. And we have weathered and kept going and are figuring it out. So I think you're right. And I think, you know, this year, more than any other year, at least that I've been around this industry, we have gotten hit from so many different angles. Every, what next? <laughs> Every different angle that the what next should be the topic of next week's show you're because welcome. no one really knows. But I think the what next and we throw our hands in the air and we look to the sky to the sun god to tell us what's happening next it really speaks to our lack of adaptability we are not adaptable 
We as agents or we, we as, as consumers? We're like, we've um, been forced to it. I mean, no one. We've been, we've been forced, but we do it kicking and screaming. Yes, we should we do. see these things. We should be mobile. We should be lean and clean and be able to. Not whine to, about it. Just accept it and proceed. It is what and it is. And educate our clients. Let's, let's, you know, we make these 11th hour calls to Cuomo to bail us out of a mess that <clears> we should have seen coming. We look totally. and we decry Street totally. Easy that's been around for a decade. It's easy to say that on the other side. You know, what is it? Hindsight is twenty twenty. I mean. Jordan, you're, you're, you're 1000% correct with that assessment because that's really what it is. And I think the the overall behavior of agents, and it's the nature of how we work, and it's the nature of how we get paid. We get paid when we do deals. Mm-hmm. When we don't do deals, whether you've been successful in your past or not, when, when deals aren't happening and money isn't coming in, what happens? The stress level raises, you get crazy, everything, everybody gets, you know, nuts. I can't do this. I don't, I won't do that, whatever. So it's an educational thing, expectation thing that we as agents need to take on. But also I put that on the on the consumer also, because the 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 amount of you know fickleness, if that's a word, mm-hmm. that that's you know permeated out there, you know, over the over the last year or 18 months is really kind of like you know, like everybody says, well, what's the cause of, of the slowdown, the downturn? Well, damn, if I could tell you that, I'd have a crystal ball and I'd look at that crystal ball and tell you a whole bunch of things. But you know, you just and I'd the, make a lot of money. You hit the nail on the head. It's like, if that's exactly right. It's like, it's the uncertainty. People see prices going down. It's they don't that. know exactly why. And why would they pay for the most expensive asset that they own in the middle of something declining, right? I'm, re- I'm just saying, like, you well, can just, that's that's, right. that's why the thickness is there. Like, it's like a falling knife. Like, you don't really know where the bottom is. If we were just steady for like the next two years, you'll see that this confidence come back. People are like, okay, well, clearly prices are just kind of staying, but they're not. They're kind of creeping down. That's that's the worst. Well, somebody, it's going to change. Somebody said changed. to me the other day. So, Vince, you you always keep saying it's a buyer's market. It's the best time to buy. The interest rates are low. On and on and on. Mm-hmm, but why true. then aren't buyers buying? Okay. And so here's my thought. My thought is that it is probably in my real estate lifetime the best time I've ever seen for buyers to buy. And if you're listening out there, buyers, it really seriously, this is not broker speak. This is really the best time. Except out maybe there. Mars two thousand nine. Or no. Uh, well, but yeah, we right can't now. go. We can't. We no, can't cry of a spill milk. So <laughs> this is this is a good time to buy. What I think the the, the issue is, and I, you've all touched on it this morning, is that in people's minds. We don't know that we've hit the bottom. We don't know that if we're still, you know, sliding downwards versus upwards. And buyers in sellers markets, when prices increase and bidding wars ensue and all this nonsense, go- nonsense goes on, buyers get panicked that they want to buy before prices get even higher. Mm-hmm. So you always find buyers more active in it's those the markets. Right. It's Where's the, the panic now when you yeah. want to buy before everyone else snaps up all the low price things? It's Is that what you're saying? It's the complete opposite. So right now they're sitting back on the sidelines, not because they can't afford to buy. They're waiting to see, well, is there going to be a little more slippage? And if I pay X for an apartment, maybe when I close, it's going to be worth 10% less because of what the market's doing. I don't think 10% is the number. It might be another yeah. couple of percentage don't put that points. Out there. <laughs> no, I don't think it's 10% at all. I think we've 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 corrected to where we need to be. There might be room in some prices because sellers have still aggressively priced things, sure. but we're not looking to lob off another 10, 15% off prices. I just don't think that's happening. But I think the onus really, because uh, we talk about well, when it's a seller's market, the onus, you know, whatever, we're like trying to beat it so it doesn't go up in price. Buyers right. are buying. I think that we need to transition that psychology <clears throat> to sellers. You have to price it lower now Tall task. than what the market is because the market's going to slide past whatever low price right. I you give you. You have to go ahead of the market. You have to be you know? ahead of the market. <clears throat> that's when, to Tracy's 100%. point, 
when you got into this like bidding war in this situation where you represented the buyer, mm-hmm. it was because it was priced lower mm-hmm. yep. than what exactly. makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then everybody gets into this, well, I have to get it because they're going to get it. Absolutely. All right. So let's turn this around just a little bit. So the market, as I said earlier at the top of the show, faced its biggest drop since 2015. And Tracy indicated before, you know, the aspirational pricing of 1415, crazy, stupid when numbers. When I bought, cough, cough. Well, lots lots <laughs> of people. So the 2019 market is showing us, let's keep it to the broker perspective at the moment, is showing us that you know, we as agents need to change and we have to become more creative and we have to figure out ways and easier said than done to get, you know, the message out there. As I just said before, it's fine. T- it's a good time to buy. You should buy. You should look at, you know, all the deals out there, come up with right bidding uh, numbers and, and, and successfully move forward. So how do we as agents get more creative and get the message out there. All right, I'm just telling you, you're just being told I got 30 seconds to go. So hold the thought for the other side of the break. <laughs> when we come back, we're going to complete this thought and we're going to talk about a few other things before we complete the show for the day. So don't go away. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. At Halstead, we know that what moves you is important. We're all about the power of transformation. We're revolutionizing the way people live and work. We are agents of change. We are the deal makers. We are the fearless negotiators. We are the future builders. So you can move to what moves you. I'm Jeff Goodman at Halstead, and I love Vince's show. I host a program of my own, but not about real estate. Rediscovering New York is about our city's great neighborhoods, their history, texture, and their current vibe through interviews with historians, business owners, and interesting neighborhood personalities. We're broadcast live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc and available on iTunes, Spotify, and other podcasts. Rediscovering New York with Jeff Goodman. I bring the city's great neighborhoods to life. It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their products. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody. We are back with Tracy, Jordan, Sean, and Phil. All right, so 
before the break, we were talking about, you know, the, the craziness of the marketplace. And then we were ending with, okay, so it really behooves us as agents to figure out how to be more creative because that doesn't only help our clients, but it actually helps us from a, from a stress level perspective, mental perspective. What can we do as agents to uh, be more creative in, in getting our listings out there, getting information and education out there to our buyers uh, that we will be okay. I mean, it's it's sort of like you know we've got to be the teacher and the bartender and the and the and the psychologist <laughs> the and any yes. <laughs> whatever it takes you know to get people understanding where we are. What kind of creative things can we come up with? I mean, well, facts doesn't even have to be sideshow and smoke and mirrors. It's there you go. Facts, mm-hmm. you know. There I mean that that this city has handled horrible you know uh, events and downturns and you know, reached back to the upside often within an 18-month period, whether Absolutely. it's 9-11 or the 2008 crash or the, Sandy. you know, yeah, yeah. all of that stuff. <laughs> sure. It's like it didn't happen yeah. in terms of what the market does. You know, all of those things are, you know, sure, there's, there's, a, there's a blip and then it keeps the going. The L-train closure or not. Or a one-day <laughs> flip of your right. apartment. You know, it's it's still a solid. But see, this is the, all these things kind of lend to the uncertainty. You know, the, the the flap for six or seven months on this show was, oh my God, the L train's going to close. It's going to kill the Williamsburg. You People know, sold sooner than they wanted to, lower than they wanted to, and then, haha, just kidding. <laughs> and yeah. absolutely. So you know, you got to be careful with what you know you hear out there or see out there. But you got to be informed and and facts. You know, to me, fact check I'll, is always uh, the best I'll way to be. I'll second what well, actually Sean and Jordan said in terms of education. So. Educating the sellers and talking about, listen, if you don't cut your price, you are going to have to sell this for a lot less a month from now, you know? And I remember um, after after the 2008 crash, we had, I think, someone from Jonathan Miller. It might have been Jonathan Miller himself come in. He's amazing, by the way. Amazing. He is amazing. And I just did a show with him. Yeah. We love you, Jonathan Miller. Good. And he, <laughs> uh, he presented something to all the brokers and essentially showed us, look at the inventory out here. He's like, prices are going to crater. Get in front of it. Talk to your sellers about this. And he was 100% right. 100%. And having that, I, that helped me more than anything else. I remember I went to these sellers and I presented this information about like, look, if you don't drop your price, you're going to be in a world of hurt. And I mean, my, my sellers believed it. They loved it. And they were right. They sold. And sure enough, the, their price was worth 10% less than that right after that. So I do think it's education. It's getting out there. It's like, that's our job, educating our clients. You guys have heard me talk about the beautifully renovated first floor apartment that was just sitting, sitting, sitting. I finally got, I mean, this, we're talking low price point here, right? Half a million dollars is, is, is low end in the city. Um, we had come down, 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 down. Finally, I said, please trust me on this, praying that I was right. We have to drop to 500,000. And that is, you know, significantly lower than what they paid for it pre-renovation, unfortunately. Long story short, we got in a couple of bids at first at 500 and the sellers were disappointed. And then it bid up and they are now very happy with the price. And it is actually sometimes asking your sellers to go even lower than they think and doing what you've heard me say before, being willing to accept tomorrow's prices today. No, and that's, how you that's, get it done. that's all well well and done. And it's perfectly, you're 100% and right. And it's different with 500,000 than like 3.5 million, I know. Well, I mean, but sometimes it's more difficult on the lower end because, you know, folks, you know, are trying more to make inventory. something, right? Sure. And there's a lot more inventory. But, you know, it's a very difficult conversation to have with sellers these days uh, about just that. I mean, I agree. Price it under. And, I, and I've said this on the show, you know, the last couple of months. One success story that I can honestly talk about this year was a studio in one of the buildings that I sell all of the the units in all the time. And, you know, we used to sell it for much higher than I gave her the price 
uh, three months ago when she said, well, I understand the market is not great, whatever. She said, okay. So I said, listen, here's my strategy. We're going to underprice it because I know we're going to sell it for more. She actually fell for it hook, line, and sinker. <laughs> and not only one day on the market. She listened to your wise counsel. <laughs> one day on the market, multiple offers, and we got not what the building used to get for that size uh-huh. apartment, but not so far off. That's and she's great, like, Vince. oh, my God, one hour on the market wow. in open house. That's amazing. Now, look. And you're thanking God that it did actually work, right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> we because were. I've tried the strategy before, you know, many times before in the past, sure. not recently, but, and it didn't work. And sometimes it did work brilliantly. <laughs> but I but I think that that's the, I think that's the future of listings in the city. I'm sorry. I think, you know, people have to understand that, you know, sharp pricing, as somebody said it before, you. And it's got to be even under yes. what the price should Listen, be. Listen, I've had buyers <laughs> seven million higher than that, two million, et cetera. Exactly. The highest price listing that my team has sold all year to date is one point three million. Yeah. And we have listings that are significantly higher that have not yet sold. Yeah. I, I actually did do that study. I don't usually keep are they on top coming of off the market like that. or the sellers being patient and just you know sitting. All of the above. Some price reductions, some just sitting, some coming off. It's all that's a kind word, know. patient. I yeah, have right. instead, of, instead of foolish Indeed. or stupid. I have several listings Indeed. between two point seven and three point two. Yeah. Several and not that even price. not they're not even not only not selling. We're not getting audience. We're not getting yeah. showings. Correct. I mean, it's crickets. I mean, yes. absolute crickets. And, and we're having to have those fun conversations again about extending the exclusive. I, you know, we've gotten used to not having to have those. You know, it, it's interesting. All right, let's move on. So after finally finding that perfect New York City apartment, it's time to prove you can actually pay for it. Many New York City newbies and even natives can meet landlord's strict criteria like having a high credit score or a salary that equals 40 or 45 times the rent. I mean, only in New York City do you get these ridiculous statistics, which is where guarantors come in, a co-signer who guarantees payment on the lease if it otherwise can't be made. And here we had the leap guides here last week that could explain this as well. So my question is, how do you know if you need a guarantor and who usually signs a lease as a guarantor? You have a rental listing, Phil. Somebody comes to you and you say, well, you know, you don't make enough. You don't make that 45 times or that 40 times. You need a guarantor. Client says, oh, what do you do? The first place you usually look is your parents, if they're still alive. Um, You sometimes will go with a sibling. I've had people do a boss at work. I've had that. Um, I've had a friend. I've had people do an aunt. Um, The idea is someone that has really good credit and makes usually 80 times the rent. The guarantor has to the make guarantor. 80 times. Yeah. 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 Um, can I just make a quick point, too, on where the city's heading related to this? Because I, I did listen to the show last week, and there is a world in which some landlords will just start to suggest some of these guys, like the guarantors and, and Leap and these kind of companies, um, insurance. But I also think the first step is landlords may just allow more people to get into the building without having – to say pay the whole year up front, you know? I mean, you know, the, the vacancy rate in New York's always been you know, 1%, 1%, 2%, really low. And so landlords, all they had to do is say, here's our deal. If you don't like it, sorry, six months security, that's just the deal. Right. Now, it's, they're, not, they're not necessarily gonna just say, go find a guarantor. They may say, all right, let me have a little look at this. They just, you know, they may look a little more closely at the application. So I'm, I'm just trying to make the point that we don't yet know how any of these rent laws are going to play out. You know, it's really, it, it's just, there are huge changes to the industry in terms of the, the, the rent laws and stuff. So, um, I mean, we'll see how it's going to play out. And, and gar- with guarantors, we'll have to see, you know, I, I don't know exactly how it's going to plan uh, go. 
in the future. We'll want to see. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, it, it can go in in so many different directions. Yeah. But you know, when you tell somebody. You, you make a good income, and this is what people in this town don't really understand. You can make a very good salary, you can make a very good income, but you just don't qualify to live in the building. And unfortunately, all of these buildings are 40 or 45 times the rent. And if you're brand new and just starting out, you look at that number and say, well, I mean, you know, it's going to take me another couple of years to do that. Yeah. So fortunately, if people have guarantors, family members, friends, bosses, whatever, that are willing to do that, that's great. If they don't, now you're talking about sharing. Right, and like to, to, like I mentioned bosses, okay you mentioned bosses. So bosses may come into play a little bit more. You know, you you hire a bunch of young people into your firm. They just graduated. That's uh, a maybe good the thought. bosses are going to have to step up a little bit and say, uh, "New York City is a little tough now." But is we'll the boss on the line, or is the boss the company on the line? I, well, it depends on the on the landlord. Right. I mean, say I say a lot of landlords would not allow a corporate guarantor, right. Right. but some may. Some actually may if they've been doing business with a certain company for a I long time. I don't see time. why not. Right. Well, it's just hard to. How do you sue a company? It gets really, you know. If, well, you when, can sue the company. It's just going to take a long time. It's take a long right. time. It's just really difficult. Whereas if you put someone personally on the line, right. the landlord looks at that like that's a lot easier to kind of apply. Have that guarantor apply pressure. It's like yeah. a personal. Yeah. You know, it's a person as opposed to a corporation. Absolutely. I think you're going to see a lot of companies like our friends from last week, Leap and Insurance, just really raking it in and doing yeah. I don't think that they're too sad about these rent regulations. <laughs> no, I think they're pretty happy. Anyway, that's it for us today. Thank yeah. you for joining us. You can follow <laughs> me on Twitter, on Facebook, or Instagram, at Vince Rocco. Shoot for the moon, everyone, because even if you miss, you'll land among the stars. Be kind to one another. And for all of us at Voice America all around the world, thanks for joining us, and I will see you next time. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones.